Thank you for tuning into the New Covenant Life Christian Church podcast, where we are loving God and loving his people. It's all about him. Our focus is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and advancing his kingdom in the earth. Now, let's join Pastor Pete Pierce for today's life-changing word. Luke chapter 15, verse... uh... We're going to start at verse number one. We read through verse one through three. Then we're going to drop down to verse number 11. Very, very, very popular story. And I, I told you, man, I, 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 honestly, I tried to get away from teaching it again. I taught it on last year. But there's something about this, this story about a father that's in this particular story of Luke. Some theologians, some people call this the gospel in the gospel. The good news about the father that we have. Amen. Verse number one says this. Tax collectors, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Somebody say notorious sinners. Often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. Even eating with them. Verse number three. So Jesus told them this story. Now, in this particular chapter, he actually tells three stories, three parables. Amen. But we're going to drop down to the last one that he taught. And this is in verse number 11. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the state now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. Verse 14, about the time of, about the the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. Now this particular parable story is normally referred to as the prodigal son. But as we, as we look at it, it's really a story about the father. The only reason it was called prodigal was because of this verse. See, prodigal means to waste. To, to, to be prodigal, it means to waste what you have. Amen? So that's the only reason that this was called the, the story of the prodigal son. Some places it causes the story of the lost son. That's even better than the prodigal son. Amen? But this verse is the reason why they call it the prodigal son. Because he was wasteful. Verse number 15. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. A Jewish boy, mind you. The young man man became so hungry that um, that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. No one gave him anything. Verse number 17. He finally came to his senses and said to himself, At home, the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Verse number 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Verse 21 says, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe 
in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we have been fattening. We must celebrate it with a feast for this son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began, amen. Father, we bless you on today. We magnify you, God. As Carlos said earlier, we see you bigger than any situation, any circumstance that we are going through even at the moment. God, we trust you in everything. Now on today, this morning, God, on this, this celebration of fathers, we do, we celebrate you as being the great father. Now God, as the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and our minds, God, we thank you that's going to be sealed in our hearts. And it's going to be bring forth fruit in our lives from 30, 60, and even 100 fold to your glory and our good. We love you can do absolutely nothing without you. It's in the master's name of your son, Jesus, that we do pray to all the people of God said, amen. You may be seated in the presence of our life-changing king. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I done took up most of my time, but amen, we're going to be all right because, um, like I said, this thing is in me. We're going to get into this. Y'all already get into this word. You know, once again, like I said, this this story is normally referred to as the prodigal son, but um, it's really not a story about the son. The story is really about this incredible father. So that's why it's often referred to as the gospel, the good news within the good news within the gospel. And as a subject, if I was going to use one of today, I'm going to change it up from what I kind of had last year. The subject for today is your father is looking for you. Amen, somebody. Somebody say, your father, your father is looking for you. Yeah, your father's looking for you. So listen, here's, here's, here's the thing about this. Can we just, we're going to take our time and kind of walk through this story. And, I, and I, I praise God that as we walk through the story and explain and talk about some things, it's going to be, become a blessing to you. Amen. So now here, here's the situation. We've got Jesus is sitting here. He's there. With, he's talking to um, like the Bible says, we're going to get into that notorious sinners is what, is, what, is, what they called him. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, amen, they see him talking to these notorious publicans and sinners. And not only was he talking to them, he was also eating with them. Well, why does, this, why does it matter? Or why would the Holy Spirit even put that he was talking to them and even eating with them? Well, we got to look at this thing, and we are going to look at it from a cultural aspect. Amen. Because one of the things we have to remember times when we're reading the Bible, this was not done in the Western civilization. This was the Middle East. So sometimes we have to think about or see what their customs were when, when these things was going on. So in order to sit down and break bread with somebody, it means that you, man, you received them almost as family. So people in that time didn't just eat with people just because. You see what I'm saying? They didn't just go hang out with folks and just eat with them. So for the Pharisees and the scribes to see him eating with, with notorious, I love it, notorious sinners is what the New, New Living Translation says. And publicans or tax collectors, they started shaking their fingers. I can't believe that Jesus is, is he's supposed to be a rabbi. Not only is he just hanging out with them, he even eating with them. So you see the mindset? So now let's talk about the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees was the religious leaders of, the, of that, that, that particular time. They were like the lay leaders, actually. 
Amen. Like your, your, your ministers, your deacons, your elders, <laughs> you know, the leaders in the church. That's what the Pharisees were. Amen. So now here's the thing. One of, they, one of the things that the Pharisees was in charge of was keeping the law. So they felt that they had to keep it. Amen. And they wanted to make sure you kept it. Right? Now we're talking about the scribes. Now the scribes at this, this particular time were the professional theologians of that day. They were entrusted with the task of teaching and protecting God's law. Teaching and protecting God's law. So when they saw Jesus doing this with these, you know, notorious sinners and tax collectors, they called themselves protecting the law. Amen. I believe we got some believers today that think you're trying to protect the gospel. When it, like it needs protecting. When it is what it is. Right? So you may see me somewhere hanging out with somebody. I can't believe pastors over there talking to them. Do we say drunkards? <laughs> uh-uh. No, I ain't got to protect the law and you don't either. I mean, protect his word. We ain't trying to protect the law no more, but we ain't have to protect it, man. He's protecting it. See, one of the things that the, the, the Pharisees and the scribes dealt with, they felt they had to protect the law and because they, they considered themselves holy. Right? So they considered themselves holy and they wanted you to be holy. See, because they thought that they could use the law to legislate you being holy. You doing what the law says is what made you holy. You can't legislate holiness. You know, that's the big thing that we're dealing with even right now in our little political system. It makes me, uh, I got to be careful. It kind of, man, it gets on my nerves every time I see these crazy commercials. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you just got to expose the truth. What's a conservative Christian? Show me that in the Bible. Either you Christ-like or you're not. That's why they were called Christians. I digress. Let me get back. Somebody say, stay on point. Somebody say, stay on point. Okay, I'm going to stay on point. Amen. So now Jesus is dealing with these with these Pharisees and Sadducees, and they, they're tripping out, or the Pharisees and scribes, actually, they're tripping out with him, so he's answering a question that they had. I can't believe you sitting there eating with them. So I told y'all Jesus was cool with the K. So instead of answering the question directly, guess what he did? He told them a parable. Told them a story. And remember, now you've got to remember what parables are. Parables are not just, you know, cute stories to get them to... To remember something. He's telling them this story, this parable, to get into their, basically get under their skin. He said, I'm going to bring out some points that you ain't going to like too much. So he tells them the story. The first story was, was about the, you know, the, sheep, the shepherd and the sheep. And the next one was about the woman and the lost coin. Well, even the first parable is not about the sheep. It's really about the shepherd. The other one is not about the coin. It's about the woman. And when I, I was reading over this parable again, and man, one of the things that one of the things that came to my mind is, you know, even the story with the. This, I'm kind of. Can I take a commercial break? I'm on a commercial break, real quick. One of the things that got me that we got to, you know, bring back the truth of this thing. With even with the shepherd and the sheep, you know, it says he left the ninety nine to get the one. Right. That's an incredible story because that's what shepherds do. So now all of a sudden in the body of Christ, I don't know where it started. I try to look it up. Try to, we're talking about the shepherd went out there and broke the leg.
lake of the sheep. That's a lie. No. Even in the natural, even in the natural, a shepherd would ne never go outside of the flock because one has wandered off and break his leg. Why would he do that? Because never he would do that. He's giving himself a disadvantage as a shepherd. That's his sheep. It couldn't keep up with the flock. If he broke his leg, because it has to mend, and if it mended, it may not mend right. So even with a shepherd in those particular times, they would move their sheep from place to place. So you, this western thing that we see in the west with a big old field and, you know, a gate and all that, that's not how it is. That's not even how it is today. The shepherds were charged to move their sheep from one place of green pastures to the next. So why would he go out and break the leg of a sheep? See, sometimes what we've done, we've used that for, for men and women of God to, to, to try to discipline the saints the wrong way. You don't break no sheep's leg. Okay, getting back to my story. Amen. So now, <laughs> he's dealing with these Pharisees. And the scribes, the teachers of the law. Now let's, let's, let's get at the, the publicans and the tax collectors, right? Publicans, tax collectors, and notorious sinners. We want to tell you who these people were, right? So Jewish citizens that worked for the Roman government, they were publicans or tax collectors. And they were actually looked down upon by the other Jews. You know why? When they, when they collected their taxes, as long as they got enough for the Romans, they were cool. But what they would do, they would get more for themselves. So most of them were cheaters, right? Most of them were getting over. And then the sinners, I love this about the sinners now, to, um, to become a sinner or what, what they called being a sinner back in that time, even now, we, still, we always think that it's the act of sin. The act of sin doesn't make you a sinner. Y'all looking, boy, y'all look, y'all waiting for the next line, right? <laughs> The next line is this, the broken relationship is what makes you a sinner. See, because here's the thing, when you break the relationship of who makes you holy, now you become a sinner. So in the very beginning, when Adam and Eve did what they did, they broke relationship with the one who made them holy. Then they became a sinner. So the act of sin doesn't make you a sinner. A broken relationship was what makes you a sinner. So all of us who were born into the world, we're born sinners because of a broken relationship. When you get the relationship back with the Lord, he doesn't call you a sinner no more. Matter of fact, you can search the Gospels. Jesus never called nobody a sinner. Boy, y'all looking at me kind of strange. I love it. Amen, somebody. So now Jesus is dealing with them, and now he's going to deal with these three, these three parables. So now let's get into the parable that we're talking about. Amen. So verse number 11, it says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. Now we're going to go down through the scripture. Amen. Y'all going with me? Amen. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of the estate 
before you die. So his father agreed to, um, to divide his wealth between his sons. Now let's break this thing down. Let's look at this thing. He told his father while he was alive that basically I want what I'm going to get when you die. So really what I'm telling you, daddy, is you dead to me. So give me what I'm supposed to get when you die. This was a shameful thing in the Middle East. This would never happen in the Middle East. Listen, if this was to happen, and that's why he's telling them this story. Can, you got to see, man, you got to see these Pharisees and scribes leaning over. What are you talking about a son told his father? What do you mean? Because they're saying that never happened. Because if it would have happened, first of all, the daddy would have beat that boy. Because it was shameful. He would have beat him. <laughs> They beat people a lot back then, amen. They, I'm serious. The, the church people beat people. I ain't going to get into that, amen. So he's telling his father, you're basically, you're dead to me. So that's the first thing that grabbed their attention. And then the next thing is the father agreed to it. What? They're saying this, you, what are you talking about the father agreed to it? That'll never happen. He's telling the story, Amen. Then he goes down to the, the father made a choice to do that because he knew the now here's the thing about the father. He made the choice to give the, this boy his money. Not only did he was he saying that that the, the village people, the village people were gonna be like, I can't believe you did that. He put himself in a place of shame. Do you hear me? Okay, next verse. A few days later. This younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he, he wasted all his money with wild living. He was making it rain. <laughs> Junior was having a good time. Amen. He went out there, man, and the Bible said he wasted all his money. He went to a distant land because he knew he couldn't do it there. Matter of fact, the boy had to get out of town kind of as soon as he as soon as he could. He couldn't hang around that village no more because he shamed his father. So he couldn't stay there. He had to go to a what kind of a land? A distant land. So he wasn't going from those in the Midland City. He probably went down to Mobile or somewhere in Atlanta or somewhere like that. Yeah, he probably said the ATL. Amen. <laughs> Right down at the ATL, hey man, the Magic City or somewhere, hey. Yes, yeah, y'all, yeah, y'all know. Anyway, I'm gonna keep going. Okay, all right. Verse number fourteen. It says, "About the time all his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve." And verse fifteen. It says, "He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him." into his fields to feed the pigs. He persuaded. Come on, you gotta listen, you gotta read the scripture. He persuaded because, listen, wherever they was in this, in this foreign land, they weren't dealing with these Jewish boys. I ain't gonna be trying to get this Jewish boy a job. Well, for some other, whatever reason, he persuaded him to give him a job. And look at the job the man gave him. Okay, I'm gonna give you a job, all right. You can go feed my pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one would give him anything. He's, he left where he was, off to this foreign land where, you listen, for a Jew, they want to have, I don't know where it was, but they, he's telling a story. 
They won't have nothing to do with him. So even to shame him the more, I know you're a Jew, I'm gonna get you to feed these pigs. And then when he got to the place where he's feeding the pigs, he said, even what they feeding them, it's more than I'm getting. What happened to all the friends that was there? When he was making it rain. Because the Bible says here that no one gave him anything. Man, my father used to tell me this all the time. I used to say, my friend, my friend, my friend. He said, boy, you ain't got no friends. <laughs> Didn't he say that? You talk about a friend. Them friends will hang out with you when you got something. You'll find out them real friends when you, you know when you get to the place where you in a pig pen and ain't got nothing to eat. Who's making it rain in? Amen, somebody. Verse number 17. When he finally came to his senses, he came to himself. He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. Have, have you ever been to the place in your life well, you said, man, I, I got to get out of this situation because the situation I just left really wasn't that bad. He was puffed up. He said, verse number 18, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a hired hand. The Bible says he said that I'm going to when I came to myself. What really happened to this young boy is he remembered who his father was. Amen? See, because if he had been neglected at the house, or even seeing his father neglect the people around him, there would have been nothing for him to remember, but he remembered that, man, I got a good father. I got a good father at home. And he treats even the, the higher servants, he treats them better than I'm being treated right now. The Bible says he came to himself. He remembered who his father was. He went back. <laughs> he went back. But before, before then, I, I want to talk about this part. So he comes to insistence. Then he makes a plan. Right? Now, I know we have all been in that situation. Have y'all ever been in a situation where you, where you got in trouble or you did something you weren't supposed to do? On the way home, you, 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 you know what you're going to tell them. <laughs> you know exactly what you're going to tell them. I'm going to humble myself. And this, this is what I'm going to tell them. So let's look at what this boy said he was going to tell his father. Right? It's a three-part plan that he had. Because, he, yeah, hey, listen, listen, y'all. Listen, I think the reason that he knew he could come up with a plan because he knew his father had a tender heart. He knew who his father was. He remembered who he was. He's basically saying, man, if I come clean, if I tell him right, man, he's, man, he's going to have mercy on me. He knew. So y'all know. You know, and one thing I love about what he did, he wasn't trying to blame nobody else. You know, sometimes we have, that's what we got to teach our kids not to blame nobody. Well, see, Daddy, really, it was like, you know, I would have been fine if it wasn't for so-and-so. No, okay, let's get back to this. Okay, here's the three-part plan. The first thing he said, Father, I have sinned against, I have sinned against both heaven and you. God, I knew the thing that I did was, was not pleasing to, to God. It wasn't even pleasing to you. He acknowledged that he broke his relationship. 
Amen. Number two, it says, and I am no longer worthy uh, of being called your son. He recognized that there were consequences to broken relationships. He understood that. That's one of the things, man, we have to even teach our children to understand there's consequences that you have to deal with when you break relationships. So he's getting it together, right? He's getting his little plan. And the third thing was, he says, please take me on as a hired servant. I'm going to pay for what I've done. Let's go back real quick. Father, I've sinned against, thee both, against, against both heaven and you. I acknowledge my broken relationship. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. I recognize that there's consequences to sin and there's also consequences to broken relationship. I have no claim to, or right to sonship because of what I've done. And the third thing was, please take me on as a hired servant or let me pay for what I've done. Amen. I know what I've done is right. I need to pay the price. Verse number 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Carlos, you can come help me. I'm about to close. I'm about to wrap this thing up. His father saw himself coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and then kissed and then he kissed him. Now think about what we're doing, what we're talking about. He's telling this story to the, to the Pharisees and the scribes. He's telling this parable to the Pharisees and the scribes. And when he tells this, this, this in the story, he said, now the boy's coming back home. The father sees him from a long way off and he runs to the boy. Well, why does that make any difference? Because in this Middle Eastern culture, first of all, the father would never place himself in the position to run to anything. The men didn't run. But can you imagine his father? Okay, the Bible says he saw him afar off. Man, listen, the, he saw him afar off, so he's, he's, he's living his life in the village, and all the villagers are talking, talking about him and talking to him. I can't believe your son did that. I can't believe your son did He shamed you. And you gave him all the stuff? Father probably didn't say nothing. He said, probably wasn't saying nothing. Just, hey, in his heart, he's thinking, I love, that's my son. So they would, the, the villagers would see this man looking. <laughs> Somebody say, your daddy is looking for you. He's looking every day. Is that him? No, that ain't him. One day he recognized, it's probably his walk. He probably walked your life, you know, whatever that walk was, his head or whatever. Something right, he recognized it. And the Bible says he ran off to meet him. So remember what I talked to you about how, how, how men would do in that particular day when they, when they wore a tunic? Right, they would wear, a, they, what they would do is they would gird themselves. So this father girded himself. He girded his loins. Tucked them in. That's my boy. Yeah. And he went to run to meet his son. Yeah. One of the reasons he ran, he did this. He said, listen, there's no shame in who I am to him. Your father is not ashamed of being your daddy. Ashamed to be your father? Don't you ever be ashamed of your children? He wasn't ashamed. So the Bible says, let me see. He, he 
Yes, 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 yes. So he ran off, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and he kissed him. Really, when you read the original, the original text, it kissed him over and over again. But why would this father do that? Well, first of all, he said, I'm going to take the shame. I'm going to get to this boy before the villagers do. Because the truth of the matter is, if he came into this village before his father got to him, the, the elders would probably beat him. So he said, no, I got to get to him before they do. And when I get to him, I'm going to embrace him to let them know this is my boy. I'm going to kiss him over and over and over again to say, ain't no shame. I ain't ashamed of him being my son. See, the kiss took the shame away. The kiss took the shame away. He ran to him and embraced him. And he kissed them. And verse number 21 says, remember, he had a story. He had a plan. Right? The son had a plan. 21 says, his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. He confessed. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. He recognized there was consequences to the broken relationship. But before he could get the third part out, before he could get, he already had it in his heart. I'm going to tell my dad I'm going to pay for it. Before he could get it out, his father interrupted him. His father, oh, oh, stop. Right there. He said, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put him in it. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the fatted calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast. For this son of mine was dead and he is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Somebody say, so let the party, let the party begin. It was time to party. So look, he said, he said, before you can get to the place where you think you can pay for the wrong you've done.
his son. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll be with you to the very, very end. So on this Father's Day, we recognize who the greatest father is. He's not ashamed to be called your daddy. Amen, somebody. He'll do everything that the world thinks is shameful. He'll do everything that the world says doesn't make any sense to bring you back into right relationship with him. You have a daddy. You have a father who loves you. He'll do whatever's necessary to prove that he loves you. looking for you. You know sometimes even when you pray when you're praying for them, them unsaved loved ones, them family members that are not saved man be praying say daddy I know you're looking for them. I know you're waiting for them. you may walk up to them one day they don't even know what you're talking about say your daddy looking for you <laughs> they won't even know what you're talking man lay hands on them and you be praying Lord I thank you your daddy looking for you be like what what you mean looking for him. We have a good, good father. His love for us is incredible. His love for us changes us. And can you imagine what these, what these Pharisees and scribes was thinking? What? What? What is this that you're teaching, Jesus? And I love how Jesus was cool, man. He didn't tell him the story. He said, you figure it out. Now let me tell you this story. Everything went against their cultural beliefs. Everything that God does for you, go against, it goes against our cultural beliefs. It goes against the world. It, all, it always goes against the grain. Your father in heaven and his son will love you through any situation, anything you go through. See, see, here's the thing about this story now. You gotta remember this. He was part of the family. First, we gotta get him in the family. Because if you're not a member of the family, none of that applies. You gotta be engrafted. You gotta be a member of the family. And once you become a member of the family, He's with you forever, no matter what you do. I know some of y'all have been saved and sanctified all your life, but for me, I had some pig pen days. I had some riotous living days. I had some days where I had to come to myself. And when you come to yourself and then you know that you're still a part of the family, forget about us. There's nothing we can do that will shame you to the point that you still don't have a robe of righteousness for us. You still give us authority. We are your sons and we are your daughters. You prove it to
to us by putting shoes on our feet. So, Father, we thank you even now. We, we bless you, God. We give you all the glory. We magnify who you are, God. And we, today, God, we pray for these people. Hallelujah. If there's any broken relationship with a father and a son or a daughter and a father, whatever the relationship is, God, mend it back. Mend it back. Man, give us, give us the wherewithal to say, I'm going to come to myself and go back to my father's house. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. We love you so much. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you. Even now, our heads are bowed and eyes are still closed. If you're here today and you're not saved and you say, I want to I be, be a part of this family that you're talking about. Well, he's waiting for you. <laughs> your daddy's looking for you. If you're here today and uh, your relationship has been broken with the father and you're trying to come to yourself and say, I'm going to come back home. You want to get your life back in back in place and back in tune with the Lord? Third invitation is that if you're looking for a church home, you're looking for a place to learn and to grow, to learn more about your, your God-given rights, the thing that you that you've received from Him as becoming a, a part of that family. And you need to become a part of a local assembly, a local church. I know a good one. Hallelujah. A real good one. If you feel that any of these three appeals apply to you, while our heads are, are bowed and our eyes are still closed, just slip your hands up. If any of those appeals, if they appeal to you, well, thank you. Even now, again, once, we, once again, before we close, think about that unsaved loved one. Think about that unsaved friend, whoever that person is that doesn't know the Lord. Place them in your mind and in your heart right now and pray for them. Pray for them. Say, Father, I thank you that they're going to recognize that their daddy's looking for them. The Bible says that, that Jesus said he would wish that none would be lost. Nobody. No one would be lost. And the truth of the matter is, if they die without the Lord today, the Bible says in hell will they lift up their eyes. There's nothing we can do about that. But Father, right now we're praying for them for them. In Jesus' name and all the people of God shouted. Amen. Well, listen, you can go ahead and let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise first of all. Go ahead and get Thank you for spending time listening to the Word of God. We pray that today's message has fallen on good ground and will produce a 30, 60, or even 100-fold harvest in your life. Don't forget to join us next week. Be sure to subscribe to the New Covenant Christian Church podcast and click share to share with friends and family because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God bless you and have a safe and prosperous week.